Welcome to Be Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up with the Successpert, award-winning financial educator, wealth expert, speaker, and author, Alfred Edmund Jr. And your co-host, life coach and author, D. Marshall. It's Be Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up. It's Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. I am one of your co-hosts, uh, D.C. Marshall, and I'm here with none other than the Alfred, Alfred Edmund Jr. And you're right. There is no other. It's <laughs> oh, good to okay. see you, Dee. Except no substitutes. No substitutes. How are you, my friend? I am doing really, really well. I mean, feeling good. God is always good, but I'm feeling good, too. Um, and, and, you know, just glad to be here, glad to be with you, and glad to begin to have another great conversation of, about the nature of abundant living, which is our whole mission and, and passion around Be Lifted Up Radio. And today's topic is going to be great. I mean, we're talking about giving, and, and you know, we understand that giving is part of our walk, that, that we yeah. are here not to see what we can get, but to see what we can give. And the more yep. we give, the more God blesses us with. Um, you know the scripture, given it will be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over from Luke 6.38. So this conversation is a core abundant life, be lifted up conversation that we're about to have today with our guest. We got a great show. We're going to ask the question, what does it matter how I give? And do you just, you know, today's topic, today's guest um, really goes to one of the major phenomena that we experienced um, during the economic shutdown the social shutdown of the pandemic, which also obviously shut down um, live attendance, in-person attendance at faith-based institutions, churches, synagogues, wherever. And one of the major challenges as churches and congregations try to make through that period is how do you affect giving? When mm-hmm. people can't gather, you can't put money in a collection plate that's not safe, that's not healthy. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and we saw all of the challenges that faith-based institutions and faith leaders and people of faith who wanted to give, who wanted to engage in worship and praise and found there were barriers to that. Um, but one of the things that came out of it is that I think there a lot of innovation came through many um, faith-based institutions around not only the rituals of service um, and the traditions of service, but the traditions of giving. You know, my church, you know, worked around that through technology. We're now used to watching services on YouTube or Facebook. We're now used to, you know, giving in a variety of ways. But what did you experience as a person of faith and a person who tried to participate in the ways that we couldn't um, often during the pandemic? Yeah. So, of course, um, participating and engaging virtually um, for me was not a stretch because I think you, like me, we run businesses, we're leaders in other spaces. And so we're very comfortable living and working and playing and engaging and even um, investing and buying in a virtual space. So we had already broken free from all of the fear of card and tithing. So I didn't have or feel any effects or have any uh, challenges with regard to giving uh, during the um, during the the pandemic, particularly my church, um, and even donating to other church where you know I wanted to be a blessing. Um, I did notice though that churches opened up more opportunities to give virtually. So I'll just say my church, uh, First Baptist Church of Lincoln Garden, shout out to my pastor, the right reverend, Dr. Dante Quick. He's a bad dude. He's super bad. But um, yeah, so we could give through Givelify and Zelle and Cash App and all of these things where I think 
people were skeptical initially of things like Cash App and Zelle. Those were like tools of, um, I want to say, Gen YZ, right? Gen Z, at least I feel like you would hear parents and I'm sure I know all your kids are grown. You've got big kids, um, but parents would always be most familiar with Cash App because their kids would be like, dad, mom, hit me up, hit me. Right. And so, yeah, I see that or or I became aware that churches were much more flexible about the options. And I was really happy to see more options for giving. But I will tell you, and I'm sure we'll get into it with our guests, um, seniors still seniors still not comfortable. Um, Yeah. So that's my. Well, you you know, a couple of themes. Uh, First of all, we know study after study after study after study has shown that Black people are more charitable per capita than any segment of the population in the United States. Year over year, after year over year, despite whatever economic disadvantages we've operated under, yep. we give more. And it's not just church giving, but of course, obviously it includes church giving. Um, but I, I see, I, I'm with you. You are, you know, I, I'm older than you are, so I'm, I'm kind of on the cusp with a foot in both worlds, but I'm used to doing everything on my app or on a website. I'm just used yeah. to that. I write two paper checks a month now, and I don't understand why I still have to do that. Wow. And the fact that you know that it's only two. I know the two that I write every month. But you're right. You have churches that adapted very quickly. And I do think those are the churches that are more more modern, had younger congregations. And then you have this other group of churches, many of them significantly large churches, that had older congregations, and, and, and they struggled. I mean, they really struggled with how do we, you'll keep the revenue up and to do the ministries that we need to do. And many times the COVID pandemic, it didn't lessen the, the burden of ministry on churches. It increased mm-hmm. the burden mm-hmm. of ministry on churches. And so, mm-hmm. but you mentioned one of the resources um, that, that uh, your church offers, my church, I go to uh, Liberty Baptist Church in Chicago, Pastor Andrew Hunt. And it was through joining that church was the first time I've heard of Givelify. It was my first time. And, you know, as, as, as an option for giving, and so, listen, without further ado, let's bring on the guest for today's show, who I did not get. I didn't know Givelify was a Black-owned company or a Black-founded company, but we, we are fortunate to have the founder and CEO of FinTech Innovator, who is coming on the show of Givelify, Mr. Wale Mafalashire. I did a better in rehearsal than I did it just now. <laughs> but welcome to the show, Wale. Alfred, it's uh, nice to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Really love the job that the great job that UNDC do, just inspiring us with different uh, types of messaging to help us live a life of abundance, be very intentional in finding our purpose and understanding that that purpose is not just about what we can gain financially, although that's very, very, very important, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, how else do we give up ourselves to our communities, to our family members, mm-hmm. and to our cause as a people so that the next generation can find it just a little bit easier uh, than our generation might have found it? Yeah. Please. So, well, two things. Before we get to the business, um, I'm trying to get better at detecting the accent. Um, uh, and so I'm interested where, where, what's the origin of your accent? Uh, good question. Uh, it's Nigerian. 
And oh, uh, Alfred, you did a great job with the name. It's uh-huh. Wale Mafalashere. Actually, the full name Mafalashere. is Olawale Mafalashere. And um, if I were to translate that, it's uh-huh. Yoruba, right? One of the tribes in Nigeria. If I were to translate that to uh, to English, it actually means uh, wealth has come home, oh. which is my first name. Oh. And then the last name is don't play with wealth. No wow. way. No way. Yeah, yeah. So Allah means wealth. So Olawale, which is wealth has come home. And then Mafolashere, the Allah there is don't play with the wealth. Wow. You know what? I want to put a pin here and then I'm going to ask my question. Can we put a pin here for, I think there's a show and a conversation to be had about the origin of our names and how they anchor us and build us up. And I'd love to, uh, you know, certainly I'm not the producer, Alfred and I are just a talent, but I'd love to maybe have another show or another conversation about the richness of our culture. Um, and, and so, I mean, it's just so uplifting. And this is a show about faith and finance and faith, a very uplifting, but also the origin of our names. And last thing before we get to uh, Givelify, I promise, um, you know, you mentioned the origin and and then your tribe. And so I was recently on the continent, uh, Senegal and the Gambia, and everyone on the continent, most people will say welcome home. And I found it so moving. And the only difference between you, my sister and me, this is what they would say, um, is I know my ancestors and you don't. I know the tribe. And it was just, it's such a powerful thing. So, and I only bring that up because you mentioned the tribe, you mentioned your name. And I think um, as we move into this conversation about wealth and abundance, we are wealthy and abundant on this side, right? But there's a wealth and an abundance that you have that I now so much more appreciate the origin of your name, knowing your tribe. And so I just had to say that, but- But let's get to the business. Can I tell you this? How about I founded uh, or God birthed through me over 10 years ago, a ministry called Girlfriends Pray. And the amazing women on my board, Theodora Carter, Inkiru Menakaya, and Lamika Burnett found Givelify as an option to receive donations almost 10 years ago. If you look through your roster, we're probably one. I mean, how old is Givelify now? Yeah, so we're looking at, you're right. It's about that. So we're eight years old officially, uh, approaching nine, and then we'll be going into our 10th year. So so you must have been super early. uh, We were super super early. Yep. Oh my yep. goodness. So, but let yep. me tell you what this means. And, uh, and then I want to hear from you. We tried to use the tool early on in the beginning. We believed in it. It was really challenging getting other folks, but can I tell you something, just knowing that you were behind it, it does something else to us to amplify that this is black owned, that a black man is the origin and the brains behind it. And it does something else and it helps us. It encourages us. I'm going to say that to do this. So when I have an option between Givelify and then the other fintechs, I'm going to choose Givelify, but Givelify, how did it start? Tell the folks, how did you start Givelify? DC, you know, you, you flatter me a lot. And uh, sometimes I don't uh, get to be in these types of conversations, but I really, really appreciate it. Uh, we can all relate to situations where we're sitting in church and it's time to give, 
uh, in my own specific situation, I had like $3 in my wallet and that offering plate comes by and I sheepishly put it in the $3, but I knew I had way more than $3 to give yes. that day. And uh, I do remember my pastor at that point in time was like, hey, you can go give to us through our church's website. And I try to do it. And you might remember back in those days, those websites were not mobile optimized. So you have to pinch and zoom to try to navigate your way around the website. And finally, I see the give button and then I'm trying to sign in. I forgot my password. It's not set up. Like this is too much to be trying to do during service. When I get home and get on a proper computer, I will set this up. Lived in Indianapolis at that time. And so after service, I'll go home. Before I know what's going on, the Indianapolis Colts, uh, they're playing against uh, the New York Giants or something. And uh, after that, the Pacers are playing against the Nets or something. And before I know what's going on, it's Sunday again. I'm back in that same situation. No cash, no way to give. Um, of course, you know, checkbook is not even an option, right? I don't even think they give free checkbooks when you open a new bank account these days. So it's not an option. And this will go on for weeks. And I would remember the conversation I'll have with myself, like next Sunday is the Sunday I get this right. And that next Sunday just never came. So finally, I remember like at some point in time, I told God, I was like, God, if you could just forgive me all the prior Sundays that I missed, I'm going to start afresh and I'm going to be a new person with my giving. And guess what? It still never happened. Mm. But I don't remember the point in time when I felt like I perhaps I could do something about this. And our pastor you know, asked us to open a Bible passage just before giving started. Of course, what do I do? I go to my Bible app on my phone, tapped it, read the Bible verse, and now it's time to give. And I'm reaching for my back pocket. It's empty. I have nothing to put in it. And in that moment, I'm like, wait a minute. I have this device that I just read the scriptures on. And if it's good enough to be my Bible, what's wrong with it bailing me out in these situations when I know well that I want to be able to give? And the first thing that went to my mind was go to the app store, see if there's an app for that. After all, I see all these commercials. There's an app for this. There's an app for that. Da, da, da. There's got to be an app for this. Went to the app store. There wasn't anything. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, maybe I could build one. Worst case scenario, I'm the only person who uses it. Um, but it solves this problem that I have. Like, I think my pastor hates me because I don't give. And every time oh. he preaches and looks in my direction, I'm avoiding eye contact with him. <laughs> and five minutes before the service is over, I'm sneaking out the back door because I don't yeah. want him to come and say, hello, Wally, how are you doing? Like, I'm, I'm living in a lot of guilt. And so worst case scenario, nobody wow. uses it, but it solves my problem. Uh, little did we know that we're solving this problem for almost 55,000 organizations on our platform today. Wow. Nearly $4 billion that would help them raise from about 1.2 million people who choose Givelify as their preferred giving option. Wow, 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 wow. Round of applause for our Nigerian brother who... Uh, there's just so many levels uh, to the story just and and so I just want to applaud you to solving a problem um, and then also for you just being a man of faith uh, you know because we've all I know I felt that way where I may not have had the cash in my wallet but I've got the you know the coins are in my account and not being able to give so while congratulations thank you um, 
Yeah, yeah, to give let, let, Let's so, talk about you solving with that solving that one problem for you did for a whole many, a bunch of other people. Over one million people have given three billion dollars to fifty-five thousand organizations using this solution that you created called Givelify. You got ninety-five employees. You got headquarters in Indianapolis and Dallas. Wow, this is self-funded, and the average annual wow. donation is $3,960, which is four and a half times the national average. And I want to I stick on that point because in addition to everything you described about the guilt about the cash I have in my wallet versus what I could be given, and I was one of those people that was trying to bring my checkbook to church, you know, and write a check every, and, and that's not convenient either. The other thing that it did for me, and we're going to talk a little bit about the impact of the pandemic when people couldn't give traditional ways for a whole nother set of reasons, um, I was one of those people as in, in my younger Christian life who struggled with tithing, mm. who either, you know, kind of did it, wasn't, uh, not convenient, I'm going to get it the next time, you know. Man, I thank God every day now, post-pandemic, that I literally could give first fruits. Like, as soon as my check hits the account, as soon as my direct wow. account hits, wow. I already know the amount, okay. And it's not, it's, it's not choresome, it's not burdensome. And so the efficiency of fintech in general, but in this case, to not only be able to give, but to be a cheerful giver, to be like, I can't wait, you know, because it's no longer, like you said, remembering to bring your checkbook to check church. All right. Remember that you actually have to make sure you budget it right for the week so you can do it without feeling, you know, uncertain about it or anything like that. And, and, and to get to a point of your, your point about the average annual donation going higher and people feeling like I can do this in a way that's convenient and, and, and eliminate some of the resistance, even my own spiritual resistance mm. to, to doing this. And it turns into a cheerful thing for those people who are still growing in this area of giving. Talk to me about that aspect of, of what Givelify has done for people. Yeah, no, Alfred, I mean, that, that's a great point. And uh, just want to update that three billion number. It's uh, four billion by the end of uh, by the end of this year. All right. Uh, so at, at, the, oh, at this four point, billion? In time, we're, we're four billion dollars that we've helped <laughs> these organizations raise. Uh, uh, I know it's just one off, but uh, just... no, 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 <laughs> not, no, listen, listen. that's right, and that's right. right, and the jobs that you're creating jobs 95. I mean, you know, you are above or in the um, uh, above the uh, what's the number or the percentage of uh, small businesses that are employer owned firms? So that's mm -hmm. that's important that you are in that number and providing for jobs. So I'm telling you, everybody now, at least I am, I'm going to go and see where I have an option for Givelify and use Givelify over the others because I'm curious as to the other players who entered the market and what the competition was like, or if you saw an uptick after the diversity tipping point when, you know, Black was on brand, even though we know we always been hot, we always been hot, okay? <laughs> we all, we've always been hot, but we know that there was an uptick. So uh, let me let you process that and respond. I'm just excited to know you because I wasn't sure about Givelify on the front end. If I had known it was a Black man on the other end, I would have been comfortable, okay? Well, <laughs> I love it. I love it. And, and, and DC, if, if you don't mind, I'm going to try to answer these questions as a way of inspiring a listener out there. Um, I'm going to talk about the generosity. I'm going to talk about how 
Uh, what we've seen shows that confirms what the data shows, Alfred, which we don't often see in the mainstream news about how truly charitable and generous uh, the Black community is. I'll talk about that. But also, I'm hoping that there are some takeaways out there that there is somebody out there with an idea uh, who's sitting there and looking that idea head to head like this and is having doubts if it's possible. And, and they're perhaps bouncing that ideas of people that they think know more than them and those people are telling them how difficult it is and perhaps they're even feeling um, dissuaded about pursuing the idea. I'm going to answer that question to speak to that person to just say, hey, look, if you believe in that idea that you have, right, um, things might look very, very challenging and things might look like it cannot be done. I did not predict that someday an immigrant who came to the United States for college who lived on $20 a week. Someday come on, Bishop. Come on, preach, Wale. Come on. Right? Flowing through his bank account. And so it, I just want to say to that person, please open your ears. Please listen. I don't have two heads. I'm not smarter than you. Um, but I don't give up. I don't give up. And once you have that, Whatever it is that your heart desires, and we'll talk about Givelify's journey also, whatever it is that your heart desires, God has put resources around you to make it happen. The question is, what are you going to do about that? And how do you identify those resources that are around you that help you move forward? But more importantly, for each and every one of us, who am I going to be a resource to? to help propel their lives forward, right? So we'll get a chance to talk about all of that. And I know I'm going to deviate away from some of the questions I want to talk about giving, but I think it's also very powerful in the spirit of what you advocate for on this show, that we talk about those challenges and how you keep going, no matter how tough the challenges are. You're the guest. We're the host. We'll take it any direction you want to take it. Listen, we'll be right back. This is Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. Welcome back to Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. We're here with the founder of Givelify, Wale Makolashire, and he's been dropping some serious gems on us, not only about the app and how it came to be, but about this idea that you should listen to God in terms of the purpose that might be planted in you to solve a problem that the world needs solved. So continue, Wale. I mean, it was just very, very important message for this show. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Alfred. And I'm very flattered that you can look at me and say, Wally, because I know who's behind this, I'm going to support your, your product. Very flattering. Um, it's the gift and the curse when you're not a trusted brand also, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, if you think about who I am, and if I came to your pastor, the bad man that you talked about earlier, uh, perhaps about eight years ago, he's never heard of the brand Givelify. It's just this guy named Wali Mafulashere uh, with a Nigerian name and a Nigerian accent. And yep. he came to him and said, hey, pastor, I got something for you, Yep. right? Uh, it's a way for you to be able to receive donations. But in order for you to use it, I'm going to need you to provide me that you don't know from anywhere. You've never heard about me with your church's bank account information. And when you're done with that, 
I need you to give me all the credit card numbers of every single member of your church and give it to me, right? Chances right. are, we'll be like, man, I've heard about these African prince scams. I've gotten the emails. Right. I've right. heard about them. I didn't know they showed up in person these days, right? That's, that's the first thing I've probably gone into his mind. And quite frankly, that was what we dealt with in those early days, which is we don't know who you are. We've never heard of this brand. Why should we trust you? with our financial information. And Alfred, you might remember at the beginning of our conversation, I talked about how important it is and how sacred we hold that trust because we know how hard it is. In today's world, you look at what's going on with in the crypto world, yes. how, how people trust financial institutions and how they let them down. And that trust is something that we hold very dearly. But I'll connect the dots back to why it's very important to be a person of integrity. Right. So one of the things that we hold dear at Givelify, we call it the four keys to success at Givelify. And a lot of companies might say it's our mission and our values. It's our values. Da, da, da. We call it the four keys to success. And each key has an order of priority. Our most important key is integrity. Which means if I can't do anything else, if it's not the right thing, I'm not doing it. And we hold ourselves accountable to that. It's the first and the most important key for us, integrity. And then the next thing we ask ourselves is, okay, if I'm sure it's the right thing, what's the next thing I need to look for? Behind every decision we make, there's a human heart there. There's a heartbeat and it impacts somebody's lives. It impacts a community somewhere. It impacts a church. It impacts a pastor. And for us, we always have to ask ourselves that question, where's the heart in this decision that we're making? And if we could check the box on integrity and the heart, the next thing we go is, can we go the extra mile to keep it simple? You might have heard of that famous quote of, uh, I couldn't write you a short letter, so I wrote you a long one. <laughs> I, didn't have, I didn't have enough time to write you a short letter, so I wrote you a long one. Right? Can we go the extra mile there? And if we could check the box on those three things, can we get a little more effort? Can we get to a place of wow? But I want to go back and talk about integrity and why it's so important and how I'll connect the dot to living a life with integrity. When we started Givelify, like any other tech company, I think what was going on in my mind at that point in time was hey, we'll go to some investors. We'll raise maybe half a million dollars or a million dollars to get this thing off the ground and we could get going. And investor after investor that I talked to all said, no, we can't fund this. We don't know where it's going. We don't know who you are. And 300 investor pitches later, all know. I had to look myself in the mirror and say, okay, what am I doing wrong here? I see this problem. I leave this problem every Sunday. How come nobody can believe in an idea like this? But when I talk about the resources you need around you to be successful, God has planted them around you. Believe it or not, the people who invested in Givelify were my own friends from, that I met in college. Mm. And these are not people who had tens or hundreds of millions of dollars to give. Many of them just say, well, he has a credit card, max it out. It only has $2,500 limit on it. Wow. Um, and for a lot of them, what they knew was if Wally put his heart to something, 
He is a man of his words that he will wow. give it his best. And that's all they had to go off of. And while I did not realize that that was what they saw in me, wow. I was just living my life. And I've come to appreciate the importance of integrity in everything that you do. Because you might not realize when somebody needs to vouch for you or make a bet on you or make that tiny investment in you, if you're not a person of character, you give them an excuse to say no. Mm. Mm. Wow. Wow. That is a testimony right there. I'm taking notes. I'm in class. So yeah, excuse me while I write that down. I'm speaking to someone, you know, in my in my other life, obviously I've spent 35 years at Black Enterprise. I spent a lot of time with entrepreneurs, startups. I mentor entrepreneurs. I just finished a, a stint as a mentor for Pharrell's Black Ambition, um, where I got to mentor six really outstanding young entrepreneurs. And it's very easy to get caught up in the quality of your business plan and how well you pitched your idea and how your application has been tested because three of my entrepreneurs were we're launching um, app-based um, companies and you get into all of that stuff that matters, but it doesn't matter as truly believing in the people or the person who is, who is driving the way that business is going to run and, the, and who that business is going to serve. And it's so easy. Like you said, when you go to raise money, often that's the last thing people are thinking about. Like that's the last thing that people are thinking about. And I also want to circle back to the point I think you were making earlier it could have been very easy for you to say, well, if none of these people want to invest in it, maybe it's not really a good idea. I mean, talk to me about, the, again, the intrinsic belief, the intrinsic faith that had you keep going and then recognize where your real resources were when you could have easily said, well, clearly the investment world, the VC world, the angel world um, has told me that this is not really an idea that can fly. Because often it's, it's really just faith that keeps you going. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. It's that. And, and I tell people this, that the most crushing thing about over 300 people that in your mind you think are experts telling you something will not work. Um, the hardest thing there for me was not even trying to figure out how I was going to pay the next bill. As long as the one in front of me got paid, I could worry about the next one later on. I think the hardest thing was the self-doubt that that creates in you. When all the people that you think know more than you tell you there's no way here and how that could just, you could feed into it. It could demoralize you. And when they all advise to keep your day job, it's very, very tempting to say, perhaps I should go keep that day job. Uh, thankfully, in my own case, after I would travel all over the country, Saturday and Sunday, I'm back in church, living the problem again. And so there's just no part of me that could rest without solving this problem. And it just got to a point of, look, whatever it takes to solve this problem, I'm going to make it happen. I do remember a certain situation where I really had maxed out my friend's credit card and I made it a criteria, like, you're not my friend if you don't help me out here. <laughs> I've maxed out mine, maxed out theirs. And I'm looking around like, man, I've got these contractors I got to pay. It's coming that time of the month. And I remember looking outside of my apartment, there was a car I had there. And I'm like, hey, if I sold that car, if you, you know, maybe I could get $20,000, $30,000 for that. Um, and if you live in Indianapolis, where I lived at that point in time, there's no such thing as if you don't have a car, you could catch a subway, right? Uh, 
in Indianapolis, you need a car. Well, guess what? I put that car up on cars.com the next day. And two weeks later, somebody gave me $30,000 for it. And that financed the project for the next couple of months until we got the next break. But the point being, um, when you don't have a plan B, plan A always figures out a way of working itself out. The question is, are you willing to do whatever it takes? You mentioned something about, you know, the not having a give up spirit. Um, that That's really what I heard you say. And about when you were pitching and you had 300 conversations, 300 no's from VCs. And, you know, I heard you say, when you have people telling you it won't work, then it could be very demoralizing. And I think what I what I was hearing in my spirit is God gave you a dream that he didn't give everyone else. And when they say it doesn't or it won't work, what they really mean is, I don't believe, I didn't get the same memo. And so I'm not going to invest. They're not saying it won't work They're Because certainly um, if I think if I was a white cis male or you were a white cisgender male and you went in, it really isn't about whether or not it'll work. It's whether or not they believe in. And so I'm so glad that you knew that uh, you had God, you and God are a majority. And what I also heard you say, and the reason you don't have a give up spirit in you is because the word of the Lord says, God gives us the desires of our heart. And a lot of people misinterpret the scripture to say um, that God will give you. Like if you have a desire for something, God is going to give you. Well, yes, God is source and supply, but desire means God puts in you the desire. And so he put in you the desire to solve a problem for the kingdom. And I'm so glad that you know, the way that God wired you together, because when you started out with your values, start with integrity, I'm like, oh, you're going to be successful in whatever you do. And the reason being, and I'm not surprised that your core value for the company is integrity, is because your core value as a person, the way God wired you together was of integrity. That's why you're not like everybody else. When the plate came by, Everybody else or a lot of other people will put in the $1 or the coins and keep mm. on about their business, but God mm. wouldn't let you rest uh, well mm. at night. So I'm just so really grateful for you and your ministry because God is using you even to minister. You started out really ministering to us. You know, God gave you the microphone here and you know what you said? You said, listen, I really came for whoever has a vision or whoever has a mission. And uh, I really came for that. I didn't really come necessarily for GiveLify. GiveLify going to be all right. God is going to add the increase. And so I'm just so encouraged. I don't really have anything, anything else to say, except uh, where are those VCs now? Like, where are they now? But you know, that's a whole nother, another conversation that we can have offline because I'm actually facilitating an event to bring black founders funders and policymakers all in the same room to really challenge them not to scale back, but to scale black and to talk about how, why does it take 300 meetings for us to get to a yes, or even just get to a no. So I just needed to download that. And I think we got to lean into that, right? So there was a recent study by the Kapoor studies, and there's no doubt. And if you look at where we are 2014, when I first started the company to where we are today, uh, there are definitely more funds out there that are targeting Black founders. But even with the progress we've made, I think there's a lot more we could be doing. If you look at the study from the Kapoor Foundation from last year, right, almost what, $300 billion was given 
in total funding, and yet less than 1% of that went to Black founders. Less than 1%, well, almost 1%, approximately. We just say approximately 1% went to Black founders. Um, now, wh when I say this, I still come from a place of privilege as a Black male founder. Because if we start peeling those numbers and we look at what it looks like for Black female founders, you start to scratch your head like, how is this possible, right? And meanwhile, the next Givelify is out there waiting to be funded that could bring tremendous economic value back to these funds, create all of these jobs in the community and lift people out of poverty. And so I said, there's a lot of business reasons to look at what's going on and the success rates of black founders or these funds to lean more into them. Yes, they might not be able to articulate in clear business terms the way you want to hear it, what the viability of this opportunity is, but they're leaving the opportunities in their communities in a way that these funds will never understand. And when they come with you with the logical solution, take that risk, but also invest in the mentorship to mm -hmm. help them get there. Because it's also very, very important that we get both of those, uh, both of those two things. So DC definitely, I think the mission you're on to continue to expand access to funding is very, very important. Uh, I tell people this: if you have the funding, take it. Life in the bootstrapping lane is is very, 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 very hard. I wouldn't do it again if I had if I had another chance. I didn't have a choice, right? So if you have access to the funding take it and the more work we could do to expand access to funding again i talk about making it easier for the next generation so it doesn't have to be as hard as we've had it yeah. let's lean into that let's make that happen because that's how we continue to build economic progress but one thing i want to circle back to it's this it's very it's very amazing how many emails i get these days about funds who want to meet with me from acquisition offers to oh. investment propositions wow. and the way i kind of think about it is like imagine on a rainy day you're standing outside it's raining and you see a man with umbrellas and he has lots of umbrellas and you go to that person and you say look can i just borrow an umbrella from you and he looks at you like, nah, you look very risky. I'm not giving you an umbrella. <laughs> and then on a bright spring day, weather's really nice. And he starts knocking at your door. Hey, would you like an umbrella, right? Um, and I feel like that's the Givelify story. Um, I'm not saying we won't take funding at some point in time. But I've learned how to survive under the rain. And so maybe I just learned how to live without an umbrella. And now it becomes an option. But what you do in that situation is the bargaining chiefs do not hold the power in, in any one of those interactions. So will we take funding at some point in time to continue to expand our efforts and our reach? Maybe, maybe not, I don't know. But what I do know, I'm in the driver's seat now. It's a very beautiful place to be. You know, I, I want to pick up on what you said earlier, and, and it's not only something that I've experienced with mentoring entrepreneurs, but it was something that really was a revelation in my own life during the pandemic. Um, this idea, I'm going to use the, you know, the idea of walking on water. And when you're walking on water, you're really walking along the water because the water is not really sustaining you any more than the ground is sustaining you. It is God that's sustaining you. Mm. But again, we get so caught up in the resource, the, the ground, the water, that we forget who the source is. 
but it was something you said about i'm just worried about the the bill or the step that's in front of me i'm not thinking about the steps beyond that mm. and that's been like a, a major revelation i experienced during the pandemic that carries me to this day mm. and realizing that every step every time i put my foot down there was something there to catch it even if i didn't know what it was so i, I really it really resonated with me and i know we don't have a lot of time left this idea of having enough faith to take the step that's in front of you as opposed to being discouraged by whatever unknown steps that might have to be taken after that that you don't see how they're going to be done. The, absolutely well said, Alfred. And you know, at the beginning of the conversation, I talked about how I saw the Black community step up with generosity at a point in time when there was conventional wisdom suggested we should be trying to hoard our money and holding on to it. And, and try to be mindful of what the future holds, right? But for a lot of people, at least we had front row seats to this. I, and I, I like to share the story. I remember there was a day of fraud detection algorithms and believe it, Givelify is where good people come to do more good. But there's a few bad actors that try to get there. So we have these very smart artificial intelligence systems that try to monitor transactions and try to look for anomalies there. And uh, on this Wednesday, our fraud detection system started going off. It was starting to see this rash of $120 just flowing in, just flowing in. I was like, and it doesn't understand what to make of this because it's never seen this before. And so we start digging into what's going on. Little did we find out that at that point in time, people had just received their stimulus checks for $1,200. And they were given 10% of that back. And that's what our fraud system was seeing when it was seeing these $120 transactions that it couldn't make sense of it because it was an unusual pattern, right? And so for me, it's, it's again, an appreciation just for how generous our community is and why it's very important that we continue to support one another and invest in the community and invest in our next generation of entrepreneurs. You know, research after research shows that innate to every human being is the desire to do more good. Now, as people of faith, what we actually see is because of the way we're brought up and the way we're taught, right? We even have a much more burning desire to be a lot more generous. When you look at the $470 billion that was given last year, right? 73% of that was given by people of faith. 73% of $470 billion were given by people of faith. And what we see at Givelify is every second of the day, a church out there somewhere is receiving a donation from a generous heart through Givelify. Wow. So to all the churches that are out there today, we don't ask you to replace your given options, but we think it's very important that you add Givelify as a given option because when you look at what people say about our products, 4.9 out of 5 stars, we've never paid for a review in our life, over 100,000 people rating it 4.9 out of 5. What we've come to appreciate is the inspiration to give based on what you, Pastor, has taught us can come at any point in time. Wow. And when we feel that inspiration, are we empowered without having to memorize a password or a text to give code or a cash app handle? to act on that inspiration in the moment. That's what Givelify empowers. I am Walima Folashire. I started Givelify out of a problem to solve for myself 
to be a much more generous version of myself. And I'm proud of the things we've accomplished together as a company on our team, which diversity is one of them. In another topic, I'll talk about the power of diversity in unlocking innovation. And I want to thank you all for being on this show. I hope my story has inspired somebody out there who's hearing it can't be done. Um, happy to talk to you some more. If you just get a hold of Dee and Alfred, they can put you in touch with me. I want to encourage you to not give up. Keep going. Be smart about it, though. Right? Be smart. Don't go lose all your parents' money. Be smart about it and keep going. Thank you, Wale. You're listening to Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. Follow us on all social platforms at Be Lifted Up Radio. And also you can listen to the show on BeLiftedUpRadio.com. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. It's Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life.